Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Hello again, future minority doctors. So glad you joined us today again. Uh, today we will be talking about how in the world you can get started on your road to being a doctor if you are in high school. We will provide you with some suggestions on what to do if you're in high school again. So if you're listening and you're in college, we will be having another episode more geared towards college students. So you can go ahead and move on to our next podcast episode. We will be starting the discussion first, um, talking about and focusing on what you should be doing to just get into college. Um, firstly, I'd like to break down what different types of colleges and universities there are. I didn't understand the difference when I was in high school, so thought it would be a good place to start. All right, Dr. Zuma. So let's start out with talking about what is exactly the difference between a college and a university? So most states have different types of colleges or universities that you can apply to. And um, I just want to clarify this. Colleges and universities are often used interchangeably, and they can mean the same thing. There's different paths you can take to get a college degree. The different possibilities are going to be community college or junior college, which are the same thing, a state university, and then some states have an additional group of universities under a different state system. For example, in the state of California, we have the state university system, but we also have the UC school system, and UC meaning University of California, and then there's private universities as well. All right, thanks for clarifying that. What about a community college or junior college? What is that compared to a university? So community college or junior college, again, they're uh, basically the same thing. The words are used interchangeably. These colleges are for all students regardless of your GPA in high school. The only requirement is that you have a high school degree or a GED. Uh, you cannot get a bachelor's degree from the community college, which is a degree that you need to apply to medical school. These colleges serve more as a bridge to getting you into a four-year university to get the degree you need for medical school. Ideally, the thought is you go to this college for two years and fulfill some university requirements so you can then apply to a four-year university to get that degree. Some people choose this route because high school grades were not so great to get directly into a four-year university, but there are some other students that choose this route because of financial reasons or personal circumstances. Some students may have the grades to get into a four-year university directly, but may choose um, to do this option to spend less money on college. I will add, however, the risky part in choosing this option in order to spend less money on college, especially for those that are first-generation college students, you risk the chance of staying there too long or not finishing. I think it is important to highlight as well that finances should not be a limiting factor in you applying directly to a four-year university straight from high school. There are state grants, scholarships, and loans that will help you get through it. That's what most of us first-generation college students do, and this is definitely what I did coming from a low socioeconomic background. Great. Can you explain to us what exactly is a state university? You mentioned, for example, in California, you have the California State Universities and the University of California system. So what is a state university? 
So these are four-year universities. This is where you get the degree that you need to apply to medical school. You can apply directly during your senior year in high school, or as I mentioned before, after you complete some requirements at your local community college. Great. What about a private university? What's that? So these universities can also give you the degree you need to get into medical school. You can apply to these schools in your senior year or from a community college, just like the state universities. These are also considered four-year universities. The degrees are equivalent to what you would get from the state universities as well. These universities, however, tend to be more expensive. So why would people pay a higher price tag for these universities, you might ask? Well, some of these private universities are the most prestigious universities in the country, and they have a great reputation, so spending the money may be worth it. Some people choose these schools because class sizes may tend to be smaller, they are religiously affiliated, or for some other personal reasons. Yeah, so um, I actually went to a private university. Stanford is a private university. And when I was applying, I did consider many different options in California because they were closer to home. One of the contenders that I considered going to was University of California at Berkeley, which is a wonderful university, has a very good reputation, and it is a public university. So if I had chosen to go to Berkeley, UC Berkeley, it would have still been an excellent education has a great reputation. It would have been less expensive, um, but for whatever reason, I chose to go to Stanford. It was smaller class sizes, like you mentioned, and that was one of the things that influenced my decision because I felt like I would be getting a little bit more personalized attention in my study program. So moving on, what do you need to do in high school in order to get into college? So if you're in ninth grade, um, this is a great time to start planning. If you're not, it's never too late to start planning and let's start adjusting, um, getting you into college. So for right now, the most important thing in high school is getting good grades. Universities will have a minimum GPA requirement to apply, so I would highly recommend keeping it definitely above 3.0. But again, the higher the GPA, the more opportunities you're going to have. Uh, I want you to see grades as money. Uh, A's are the top dollar to your account. So give it all you got to try to shoot for A's as much as possible. However, say uh, you tried your best and you didn't get an A. That's okay still. Don't give up. Don't think you can't make it. You can still get into college. I actually got some B's along the way and a few C's, um, if I recall correctly. Thinking back, though, I think if... If I would have have, have gotten uh, pushed by someone, um, I probably could have gotten that mostly A's and B's. So today, Dr. Marina and I are here to push you to get the best grades you can. If you are in 10th or 11th grade right now and you may have gotten a D or F, please go to summer school and make up that grade. If you make up that grade, the college will use the better grade in your application. Also, to boost your GPA for those of you who may have your lowest grade B C's, plan to also try to make up some of those C's to an A or a B, so that way it can also boost up your GPA. Work with your school counselor or a trusted teacher that you have to make a plan. Excellent advice, Dr. Zulma. So thinking about specific classes in high school, what classes do you need to take in high school to get into college? So the colleges are pretty standard for each state. Um, 
I'll go over what California universities re require, but I think it may be similar to most of the universities in all the states of the country. But I would still encourage you to go ahead and look up online um, to the universities of interest in your state. Uh, the classes that are required um, in California are called A through G requirements. You can look, in, look them up online, as I said. Regardless of what state you live in, again, just Google your state's university and then figure out which requirements you need. You want to have this road this roadmap ideally as soon as you start ninth grade so you know you're taking the classes you need. It's essentially a checklist and you want to make sure that all these boxes are checked off. However, if you are past ninth grade already, don't worry. Look at the roadmap and readjust to see how you can get there before college application time in your senior year. It may require some unplanned summer school. So to break down the requirements, um, it's two years of history, four years of English, three years of math, two years of science, two years of a foreign language, one year of visual or performing arts, and one year of college prep elective courses. Uh, the subjects are pretty specific as to which ones qualify. So again, please make sure you are working with a counselor or trusted teacher to make sure you're taking the correct classes that'll count towards your college application. The universities uh, will assign points to your grades. So for example, an A is four points, a B is three points, a C is two points, and a D is one. But if you take IP, AP, or honors classes, they actually give you an extra point. So say if you got an A, instead of four, you get five points. If you get a B, you get four points instead of three. So racking up these points is what's going to help your GPA go up and improve your chances of getting into a four-year university. Again, these points are money. Please see it that way. Yeah, I remember I took a couple of AP courses in high school. My high school didn't offer IB courses, but they did offer a couple of AP courses. And that helped get my GPA actually above a 4.0 um, because those A's in those AP classes counted as a 5.0. So if you really want to get that GPA up, that's a great way to do it. That being said, AP classes are harder so be prepared to work really hard and put in extra hours to get good grades in those classes. So Dr. Zulma, tell us a little bit about college entrance exams. Okay, so some of the college entrance exams, they're called the SAT, ACT, and subject-based SATs. Uh, interestingly, which has been, is now different for Dr. Marina and I, but nowadays in recent years, there's been a lot of debate about using these exams as part of the admission criteria into universities. Um, these exams are usually taken between your 10th through 12th grade years. And um, just consider, given the ongoing changes about whether these exams will be used or not, you're going to have to do your online research and look at those universities that you're planning to apply to to see if they're recommending them or not. Um, do consider these exams do cost money, but fortunately there are fee waivers that you can apply to if you qualify when I was applying in high school, I used fee waivers for everything um, because I was considered low income. So please be aware about this. So what about things besides classes in high school? What about extracurricular activities? So the, the colleges don't just want the grades. They also want you to be doing things that are non-academic. Um, so some of the things that you can consider doing in high school is community volunteering, join on-campus clubs sports, extracurricular activities. These are important for your college application. Pick something that you enjoy and go with it. 
And then the other thing is I would also recommend that if you do volunteering, keep a notepad where you write down these activities you volunteered in and the date. You want to document it because if you do a volunteering activity in ninth grade, you will forget by the time you're in 12th grade and it's time to apply. I would also keep a list of anyone who you may come in contact while you're volunteering or doing an activity that you connected well with who can write you a letter of recommendation later on. Write down their names, phone numbers, emails, so two to three years later, if you need to, you can contact them. Some of the things that I did while I was in high school, um, I danced, um, I did uh, an an on-campus organization that was called Key Club, where they did a lot of uh, community volunteering as well. I helped out soup kitchens. Um, I don't know, Dr. Marina, what what did you do in high school that was non-academic? I remember right after ninth grade, I decided I wanted to join a sport. And so I went to try out for the volleyball team. Now, I had never played volleyball before, so it was kind of <laughs> like putting myself out there to try out for volleyball. Then I went to a week of tryouts, and it turned out I did not make the team. So I was a little bummed about that. But I heard that the cross-country team was starting uh, early morning practices and that they didn't you that you didn't have to try out to be on the team. You just had to get up at 5.30 every morning and go running with the team. So I decided to do that. <laughs> so I ended up running cross-country and track for three years. I also joined a couple of clubs. One of them was the Future Business Leaders of America. Um, they had a great advisor. They had a lot of fundraisers. They went to a lot of conferences, and I stuck with that club for about four years for all, all of the, my years of high school. That was a great introduction to kind of the world outside of my high school because we would go to regional conferences and state conferences and there were competitions involved as well that helped um, elevate some of my skills. Um, So mostly I did that. Mostly I did those two. There were a couple of other things. I did uh, one year of mock trial, which was stepping outside of my comfort zone and getting good at public speaking. Um, I also was pretty involved with my church. And so Um, I would do a lot of service activities through my church as well. That's great. So as you can tell, there's a lot of different type of non-academic activities you can be involved in. And just recalling back as I'm hearing Dr. Marina, um, I was part of MedChat on my campus. I was even part of the Black Student Union and did several activities with them as well. So any any non-academic activities, activity that they had um, on campus at your high school will be good to just put on your on your college application. Yeah. And you mentioned you did dance. I did running. You, If you really hate sports or athletic activities, you don't have to do them. But I think that there are benefits to doing something physical. Um, it helps challenge you in a different way. It keeps you healthy. So if that's your thing, go for it. If it's really not your thing, find something else where you can um, develop a passion. Definitely agree. All right, Dr. Zuma. So how do you know if a college or university is right for you? So um, ask around. I would definitely um, recommend. Um, But the other thing that you can do is you can visit college campuses to get a feel of the school. If you do get to visit a campus, I would suggest go visit the student offices on the college campus that may be one that you go to for support. Most colleges have a student offices um, and they're really catered to Latinos. There's another one, the African-American student office. 
there's a Native American, um, a lot of different types of offices that you can go to. I will admit that the only campuses I visited in high school were the ones that were organized by my school via field trips. My parents didn't know the educational system, as you guys probably heard in my previous podcast, so they never planned for any college campus trips. So honestly, I didn't even know that people did this until I got to college. So don't feel bad if you don't get to this part. Um, just still apply. Exactly. Yeah. I was lucky. I kind of begged my mom to drive me up to Northern California to see a couple of campuses and she agreed. So just the two of us, we took a road trip and visited Berkeley and Stanford. And that was a really good experience. But again, not everybody can do that. Sometimes your family just doesn't have the resources to let you travel to see schools, but you can do as much research as you can online. Um, You can reach out to those on-campus offices via email Um, do your homework. Even if you can't visit the school, you can learn a a lot about a school via online resources. So uh, what do you need to do during your senior year to get into and prepare for college? All right. So now you're in your senior year. So you've checked off the A through G requirements. So your list is checked off. You got the grade. So now it's time to apply. Firstly, what you want to do is look up the deadline so you can keep track that you don't miss any requirements that the application process that the application requires you to do. Uh, several universities may have different deadlines. Apply to several universities and don't limit yourself to one university. This will increase your chances of getting in. It does cost money to apply, but guess what? There's also fee waivers as well. I used fee waivers throughout my application process and did not have to pay out of pocket. Wonderful. Yeah, please, please use those if you qualify. It saves a lot of money. So what should people expect on their college applications? So most applications nowadays are online, so you'll probably create an account to specific universities you're looking into. On the college application, they'll usually ask you some of the following information. They'll ask you about your family personal demographics, your choice of major. Again, if you're not sure, it's still okay. There is an option that you can apply as undecided major. I actually did that since I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. You'll also be asked about your grades, maybe SAT, ACT test scores. Again, when I was applying to college, they did ask them, but now, again, it's controversial, so you're going to have to look into that. Uh, Sometimes there will be options while you're applying um, to select scholarships that you would like to be considered for. Just go ahead and do this. You never know if you will get it, and scholarships are free college money that you don't have to pay back. Sometimes you'll also be asked if you're interested in an EOP program, which stands for Education Opportunities Program. This program offers support services while you're in college. I used it and I recommend it, especially if you'll be a first-generation college student. I went to them for tutoring and also to help me learn how to study effectively. Uh, The other big part of the application is writing an essay about yourself. Please put time and effort into this. Seek advice from trusted school staff to read it, and then they can edit it for you. As I had mentioned before, I wasn't a good writer, so I had to get help with this part while I applied to college. And then after that, you just submit your application. Yeah, and depending on what colleges you're applying to, you might have to write multiple personal statements or answer multiple questions in an essay format. So if you're applying to, for example, just multiple University of California schools, it might be easy and you might just have one 
essay to write, but if you're applying to some private universities as well as some public universities throughout the country, you might have to write a lot. So set aside time to do that and make sure you do it well in advance of the deadline because it can be really stressful if you're waiting until the last minute to write all of these essays and fill out all of these applications. So please, please start thinking about it at the beginning of your senior year. Um, that way you have a couple of months to prepare everything, um, not just the essays, but also the, letter, the letters of recommendation that Dr. Zulma mentioned. You're going to have to give the letter writer, like one of your teachers, um, time to write the letter. And if you say, oh, I need this letter tomorrow, that's not very, uh, that's not a very good practice. All right. I've heard about something called admission by exception. Do you know what that is, Dr. Zulma? Yeah. So within the University of California system, there's something called admission by exception. It looks like some universities may offer this opportunity to apply, even if you don't meet all the A through G requirements, if you had a significant life event or you were homeschooled. So you can explore this option if it applies to you when you get to application time as well. Interesting. I hadn't really heard about that before. What if someone wants to go to a state college in a state that they don't live in? So it's important to consider, again, apply to as many schools as possible. Uh, some schools will give a preference to in-state students, and you can actually find this information online to the specific universities of interest. Yeah, and also uh, an important thing to know is, like, let's say you live in Texas, but you really want to go to... University of California, Los Angeles, because you have family there or whatever reason, um, the UC schools give preference to California residents. So it's going to be harder to get in. And also, if you do get in, they're going to charge you a lot more money. So if you live in state, you get in-state tuition, which is lower. If you live out of state, you have to pay out of state tuition, which is higher. Yes, that's correct. And and just uh, tuition for those of you who may not know that, that's just the cost and fees of college. Exactly. What about AP and IB exams? What are those? So these, exa these exams are available in high school. Um, as we mentioned before, if you take honors, um, AP or IB classes at some high schools, um, they offer these exams that can count towards college credits, so less college classes that you may need to take um, when you start college. These are not mandatory, so don't feel like you need to do these. I did not take any of them. I don't know if you did, Dr. Marina, if you ended up taking any of these exams. I actually did. I took a handful of them. Um, and if you get a certain score, I believe it's if you get a four or a five, the maximum score you can get is a five. And if you get a four or a five, then you can actually get credit in college. So I think, for example, I took um, the AP Spanish literature exam in 11th grade and I got a good score. I think it was a four. And so when I started college, I actually didn't have to take a foreign language because I had credit from my AP class in high school. So if you want to save yourself um, some money and time in college from taking some of the like kind of standard prerequisite courses, that's one possibility in how to do that. Now you can't like take exams that are going to get you out of all your classes all um, your freshman year, but you can get out of some of them. For example, there's an AP calculus test, there's an AP chemistry test. So those might get you out of like the introductory 
college chemistry or calculus courses if those are things you have to take. And again, keep these in mind. I I didn't really understand this part when I was in high school, and I think maybe I could have saved some college credits when I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you said, it's not mandatory. However, um, it is a good way to challenge yourself and get better at taking tests, especially standardized tests, if you have the money to do so. They, they can be a little expensive, but I think there are fee waivers just like there are with other exams if you are low income. All right, moving on. What is the FAFSA, otherwise known as the Free Application for Federal Student Aid? So this is the financial aid application. This is very important. This is something you will all, you will have to apply to see if you can qualify for certain grants. Grants are free money that you don't have to pay back. Uh, it'll also see if you qualify for loans. Um, this The loans you will have to pay back, but you don't pay those back until you are completely done with school. Even say, for example, if you graduate from your college, you still don't have to pay them back until you're done with medical school, law school, or whatever it is that you decide to go into. But you want to keep track of the deadline for this as well, because this is how most of us finance our ways through college. Yes, absolutely. Um, I remember my parents looked at the estimate of how much it would cost for me to do my first year at Stanford and they were horrified. It was like (laughs) basically as much as they were making per year. And um, luckily, you know, through the FAFSA system, um, I was able to get a lot of grant money. And again, grants are free money that you don't have to pay back. Um, I also qualified for loans and there was something called federal work study. So based on your parents' income and your ability to pay for college, um, you might qualify for some money. Basically, it's money that the federal government gives to the school in order for them to pay you to work somewhere. So some people, for example, get a job working at the library and they work 10 or 20 hours a week at the library. And it's that federal money that helps the school pay you for that work. Some of the things I did through federal work study were like working in a lab, cleaning lab equipment. Another one was like working kind of like as an administrative assistant in one of the psychology offices. So that was through federal work study. They knew that I needed like money to pay for some of the other expenses of college, like just food and clothes and stuff like that. So that's how I was able to earn that money um, to pay for the things I needed was through federal work study. Yeah, I did the work study as well. I would work about 10 hours a week at an elementary school providing tutoring services. So definitely, Mm -hmm. as Dr. Marina said, is a huge benefit. FAFSA was very important to me as well because my parents contributed nothing out of pocket because Uh they couldn't afford it. So all of my financing came through FAFSA, either Mm -hmm. grants, scholarships, and loans. Yeah, same here. I think my parents were only able to put in like a thousand dollars, you know, a year, mm-hmm. but the rest of it came from those grants, loans, mm-hmm. and federal work study. So I'm really grateful for that. One thing to know is the application is a little bit of a pain because you do have to sit down with your parents and ask them for information from their most recent tax return. So make sure you set aside time for that to sit down with your parents because you're not by yourself going to have all the information necessary to fill out that application. So again, give yourself time to fill it out. Make sure you do not miss the deadline because that's where the money for college is going to come from, most likely. Definitely. 
Okay. So what about college scholarships? I know a lot of students get supplemental money to help pay for college through scholarships. All right. So I strongly encourage you to do online searches for scholarships and specifically scholarships for minority students. Again, scholarships are free money for college. You do not have to pay this money back. This usually involves an application, an essay, and sending your school grade transcripts. If you get a scholarship, it could help a lot with college expenses. I didn't do this in high school, and I do regret it. I think I would have um, had less debt, but I didn't understand what scholarships were back then and because I really didn't have the guidance. So please do your searches and apply to as much as you can. And if you do a quick Google search, you will see the long list of available scholarships that you can apply to. I totally agree with you. I did not do as much as I could have when it came to pursuing scholarships. And partly it was because, you know, senior year can be really busy. Um, if you're doing like sports, extracurriculars, classes, applying to college. So having to fill out even more applications and write even more essays can be a little bit daunting. Um, but if you do have some time, even just like if you apply to one, two or three extra scholarships, just do it because it is free money, like Dr. Zulma said. Uh, you could get lucky and get a couple extra thousand dollars from one of those to help pay for college. So one other question, Dr. Zulma, do you have any specific advice for students who are dreamers or who have DACA? All right. So for my dreamers and DACA future minority doctors, you're, what you'll have to do is keep up to date with the state and federal laws. Um, there's ongoing changes every year. Uh, the good news is that the, that some universities in some states do offer financial support programs. Um, but again, these will likely change. It's different for every state. It's different for every university. So I would personally contact, even give them a call or email the universities of interest and ask ahead of time to see if there's any scholarships available, if they have um, loan programs available as well. So um, just don't be scared and ask. Absolutely. So once you're finished with the application process, uh, what's next? What do you do? So once all of this is done, then it's just a waiting game until you hear back from schools. You may get accepted to more than one school, and at that point you'll have to decide which school is best, just as Dr. Marina mentioned earlier. Don't limit yourself to the university that's closest to home. I hear that a lot from a lot of young, uh, young adults and a lot of teenagers that are applying to um, college. And some of our cultures, our parents will really push for the kids to stay home when it may not necessarily be the best university option to get you to your ultimate goal. Really consider picking the university that will most offer opportunity later. I say this because medical schools, they do look at what university you come from. So you want to make sure if you have the option to pick, pick a good one. On the flip side, if you if you get only one acceptance, so be it. Just go there. And this was my case. I applied to only UC schools and I only got accepted to one. And then if you don't get accepted into any of the uh, universities, then Plan B kicks in and you get yourself into a community college with the goal of transferring to a four-year university. And again, if there's a will, there's a way. And the, the way is you don't give up. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, there are as many ways to become a doctor as there are people in this world. Nobody's path looks exactly the same. 
And if you're the kind of person that's like really motivated in high school, getting straight A's, great. Like, like apply to lots of universities, go to a four-year university. Um, if you struggle in high school and you end up having to start out at a community college, there's nothing wrong with that. Just make sure that you are working as hard as you can, trying to get those good grades, trying to transfer to a good four-year university, do the best you can, um, and that's all you can do. That, um, Like Dr. Zulma mentioned, medical schools do tend to look at the university you come from. Unfortunately, there's bias within the system, and medical school admissions committees don't always understand the socioeconomic factors and challenges that minority students face. Um, So that doesn't mean that you have to go to a certain school, but just keep that in mind. If you have a choice between schools, go to the school that's really going to be better for your education overall and for your chances of getting into medical school. And I also agree with Dr. Zulma's observation that unfortunately, you know, some students are being discouraged by their families from moving away from home. But you really need to consider this, like what's best for you and your family in the long term. So maybe in the short term, you feel guilty that you're not going to be at home to help your mom or your dad with stuff. But in the long term, are you going to be better able to help your parents and your family because you have a good education and you become a physician? So you have to really not just look at the short term, but look at the long term and what's better for you and your family in the long term. Definitely. And it's also normal to feel scared of leaving home. This will be the first time that you are not at home if you're going to go to an, to an away campus as Dr. Marina and I went to. So the fear factor is definitely going to be there. I think everyone feels it. You're, for the most part, going to a school and starting a new life where you know absolutely no one. But just remember, for the most part, everybody feels the same way. So everybody is there alone, starting something new. And you're going to be there to meet your likely lifetime friends in college as well. Absolutely. College can be a really transformative experience. um, And living away from home can actually accelerate how quickly you become independent and you become better um, at fending for yourself. Um, So again, these decisions are all up to you. Every case is different. So make the choices that are best for your individual circumstances. We can't tell you what the best thing is for you because we don't know all of you, but uh, we trust you to be able to consider all these factors and make the best decision for yourself. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this was helpful for you if you're still in high school and looking forward to going to college. Um, Please send us questions you might have. If you want us to answer other questions you might have about what to do in high school or how to get into college, please go to our webpage at futureminoritydoctor.com. Click on the contact us page and submit your questions. We would love to answer them in future episodes. Also, if you have any other feedback regarding our podcast so far, feel free to contact us. In our next episode, we'll be talking more about the college process and what it takes to get into medical school and residency and all the stuff after that starting in college. So we hope you'll join us next time as well. And again, thank you for your support. We love seeing every, all the new members that are joining us. And uh, please spread the word. Uh, spread it to family members, to 
your friends, uh, even if you have count, uh, high school counselors, let them know about this so that way they can share this with others who might be in your situation right now that are wanting to be future doctors as well. Definitely. And if you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We look forward to seeing you next time. Peace and love. See you next time.